Hey guys, Jaguar here. I hope you're enjoying the series so far. This is a space for discussion, reaction and change with conversations between myself and the dance music community about issues that matter to us most. Today, I'm going to be speaking to Palestine's techno pioneer, Sama. Over the years, she's poured her heart into cultivating an underground scene, which has led her to become one of the world's most loved DJs, known for her punchy techno sets, esteemed Radio 1 Essential Mix, and her stellar Boiler Room set in 2018. Sama was arrested in December last year after DJing at an event for Beatport in the West Bank at a historical site where many believe the prophet Moses is buried. The event had reportedly been approved by the Ministry of Tourism, but Sama was arrested and eventually released on bail after eight days in jail. Sama garnered a flood of support from the music industry, including petitions pleading for her innocence and demanding her release. Let's hear about the case in Sama's own words as she joins me from her home in Palestine. Welcome to Utopia Talks. So Sama's here. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here and yeah, talk about something so sensitive. I was so compelled hearing about your story at the time, at the end of last year. And honestly, I'm honoured to be talking to you today. So should we start with... Can you tell us what happened at the end of December last year in your own words? First of all, thank you for having me. It's such been a, such a messy couple of years, really. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Started with Corona, ended up in prison. Um, so what happened last year, I was filming uh, the residency for Beatport and I was using different locations in Palestine to do so with the help of the Ministry of Tourism. And... Uh, one of the shows just went south. We were filming in a compound which had a mosque, a bazaar, and an area and a hostel, etc. And some guys apparently heard about the filming, thought it was a party, and decided that it's not appropriate to the place. So instead of us them telling us calmly, they decided to come and start yelling. But the thing is that the story was also growing meanwhile. So it started with uh, there are some settlers taking over the location and destroying it, you know. And then it turned to that it's some people just trying to hurt Muslims. And then they were like, oh, no, it's this Palestinian person. So when they came, they were angry because they thought it was completely a different thing. So there was this public, it just went completely viral without us knowing like we barely like by the time I got home it was viral so I didn't even see it go viral and all of a sudden everybody in Palestine was talking about it and asking the government to do something so the government did what anybody would do in a public opinion case they come and follow the leads you know so I expected that next day they were going to come pick me up to talk and they picked me up, but instead of talking, I was like, they talked to me, but I discovered in the talking that I was getting detained actually. And it was just, it wasn't just talking. And then I went to prison for eight days. Wasn't fun. But with that, we were going to investigation every day. We were going to courts, to all these things until all the data was presented to the DA and they just let me out. And of course, there there might be a trial and everything, but they agreed to let me out on bail because the investigation was done and they didn't need me anymore. And yeah. 
Wow. That's what happened. <laughs> and so you're, you're at the moment, you're just waiting to hear if you'll have a trial in the future at some point. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I spent four months with a travel ban and I had to go to the police every week to sign my name on a paper that I didn't run away. But after four months and it taking forever, you know, um, we kept appealing. We kept like uh, doing an appeal for the bail and for the travel ban. And finally, they, they agreed to remove it. Okay. Because obviously I'm not trying to run away from the case. I, w- <laughs> I never ran away from the case. You know, from the first day they came to me, I went with them. And I was always straightforward and always direct with everything. You know, and in my history, I've never had anything that I messed around with. So, you know, in good faith. <laughs> yes. Yeah, of course. And yeah, a very like unique yeah. position to be in. And I actually saw one of the videos from when the people who were upset that you were DJing in this area, which is a historical site. I saw a video and like it, cause I, I heard like explosions of like flares or fireworks as well. And then yeah. it was all dark and shouting <laughs> and it was really scary to watch. So how was that experience for you? It was terrifying. <laughs> I bet. Honestly, like we've been shot at so many times by the Israeli army, but having the people that usually are fighting on your side being fighting you, that was more terrifying. Because I think also with the army, we have, there's a purpose of the fight, you know, you're fighting for a reason. But in this one, you just didn't know what to do because you're not going to fight them back. Mm. It was terrifying, especially that we all know these firework guns. They're not really, they don't really exist that much. Palestinians make them because we don't have weapons to fight the Israeli army. So they make random weapons. So they usually throw them at the police uh, or at the Israeli army. So it was the first time getting shot at us. It was terrifying, but it calmed down quickly as well. So thank God nobody got hurt. Mm. Nobody was hit at all, not from us or from them. They were really mad. And that is one of the reasons why we were, and me especially, the minute I saw how mad they were, like you could see it in their eyes. You've done something wrong without them telling you what you did you know you've hurt this person. Mm. And from the way he was yelling at me, I kept apologizing and I'm like, I'm sorry, just listen to me. I don't mean to offend you. I don't mean to do what you think you I am doing. And eventually that calmed them down and we talked about it and we kind of reached an agreement that maybe we made a mistake and we're sorry, but it wasn't an intentional thing. You know, I didn't come here to bother you or to offend you. And that helped a lot. In the case in general and with the people here, because at the end of the day in Palestine, I don't know if you know, but um, Israeli settlers in the army and the government, they constantly go into mosques and throw bombs in them or hit the people or they're very, they constantly attack us through religion, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's it's a bit of a sensitive thing. Like I get annoyed when the Israeli army goes into the mosque or when they lock up Christians in the church for two months, it annoys everybody in Palestine, obviously, mm. because you cannot, you know, this is not cool. So I wouldn't do it intentionally, you know, but it's uh, what happened and, you know, everything is okay. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it literally made international news at the time as well. It, it, like yeah. everyone was talking about it and 
I, I just kept seeing your face everywhere. And <laughs> what was what a positive of a dark situation was in the dance music community. You know, so many people were sharing a story and being like, Sama needs our help. Petitions with over 100,000 signatures on from people in support of you. And I guess when you eventually saw that, how did it feel to know that you had that support from the dance music community? Honestly, it was surreal. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't believe it in the beginning because I was there and my brother was telling me about it. And I would just have a 10-minute phone call. And then he would tell me, like, these people are signing a petition for you. And I'm like, how do they know me? I'm so excited, <laughs> you know. I'm just, it's, it's incredible to see people that you're such a huge fan of and you always heard about this movement and heard about everything that it does. And then it actually happens to you. And it was it was overwhelming. Honestly, it was very surreal. Even after I left, I just even when I saw the petition, I kind of didn't believe it. Mm. I felt that they were making me just feel better about myself. But it was it was honestly, it was surreal. I yeah, can't believe it. <laughs> Still can't, obviously, from the way I'm blabbering about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and I guess you've kind of been able to tell your story a bit too, like you've just been on the front of DJ Mag. I read that article this morning actually. I thought it was oh, yeah. an amazing article and like in a weird way it's spreading light on Palestinian techno and the scene as well. That is kind of what happened through that, you know, there were, with everything, this is a thing I think maybe, I don't know if it's just a trait that we have, but you kind of always see the dark side and the good side of everything. So in this case as well, there's always a dark side and good side. So it could be a dark side where they completely ban techno from Palestine and ban even arts and be like, no, everything is not traditional uh, Palestinian and everything is not allowed. Or it can actually spread awareness and now everybody in Palestine knows techno and it can cultivate the scene even more and people can appreciate the DJs even more. Mm, mm. So, you don't know. What yeah, yeah it's, it's an <laughs> interesting one. And I, I'd love to know, like, how is techno and dance music and DJing, like, seen in Palestinian culture? We never knew that people didn't know us this much. That is a very, very big thing that opened our eyes all when I went to prison is that oh my God, nobody knows us. Uh, we all thought that we were more known, especially after Boiler Room, especially like we do a lot of events here. I've been doing events here for over 10 years. Mm. But I didn't expect that, like in the beginning it was 10 people. Now there's six, 700 people that come and still nobody knows, mm. you know? So it was a bit shocking, but the scene has been growing for years. Like since I started my first gig, there was 10 people in it. Literally, <laughs> 10 wow. people in it that ask for their money back. So um, it's it's really cool what what is happening now. There are way more DJs. You know, we have now over 20 DJs um, and all really good, very, very good music and very good technique. They really try to learn it. They work together. It's still it's a small community. Like, it's big, but small, you know. So everybody knows each other. Everybody works together. It's really cool. Yeah. It's very raw and underground. It's not, yeah, it's not yet, you know, very, you know, there are no bouncers. There's no security cameras. There's no, anybody can do whatever they want, you know, because there's, you know, it's like we're all people that know each other and we just want to dance for these couple hours that we get. Yeah, I love that. And even when you referred to your boiler room there from the 
2018 one, which kind of really exploded. I think it's got nearly 8 million views, which is... Yeah. It's it crazy. Crazy. <laughs> and, but in, in the yeah. crowd, it's like your friends, like you can tell you like you've got the... It's, it's your community right there in shot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you come to any party in Palestine, you will find 90% of the people that were in that video. <laughs> that's literally how it is here. And, and that's the beauty about it, you know? Mm. So we all grew up together. We built the scene together. We like all the artists, if you notice, like all the artists in the boiler room, they watch each other's shows and they support each other and we dance to each other. And that's how it is in real life. Anybody that does a concert, everybody's there, whether it's mm. hip hop, rap, DJs, live shows, experimental music, everybody is one. And we all listen to all the genres. Yeah, it's beautiful. The parties look amazing. And I suppose when you were building it over the last 10 years or so like what was it that inspired you to create this scene like why did you go okay I want to do this this is this hasn't been done before here what was your motivation it's the feeling I got when I went to a scene like that because when the first time I went raving I felt a freedom that I've never felt in my life and I felt that I expressed myself with the anger that I had and everything that was going through my head and I just found this space this new space for me. And I really wanted my, because also I was, I saw it in Beirut and it's really hard for Palestinians to go to Lebanon and depending on what passport they have, it's a bit complicated. And I really just wanted to grab them all and take them there, but I couldn't. So (laughs) I tried to do it the other way around, which eventually happened. So, but for me, it was basically is that I felt that that feeling that I had at that moment, these people really need to feel it because it's mm. going to help them. And that's yeah. why. No, I love that. And and then when I started seeing it, that's why yeah. I continued doing it. Yeah. And if you've... Because you could see the the, the, the the thing, like the change, the the way when they dance, it's like, I don't know, you get that um, satisfaction when you're playing in front of a crowd that is so into the music and so synced with you. But I think also here, the fact that you're also giving another layer of freedom just gives it also another layer of satisfaction yeah and as your you've chosen being a dj as your career like how has that been perceived um in palestine like i'm guessing it's not a very conventional career path to follow and have you have you experienced challenges with that not much because it wasn't really a career at all and then it became you know even the djs that are here are not just djs the only ones that are just djs are the ones that do Uh, weddings and things like that because they actually do get a lot of money for a wedding uh, event and there are a lot of weddings but DJs in uh, in Palestine usually they work different jobs and they DJ for fun for themselves and mostly for like they don't really make money from it so even till now like people don't get that I'm a DJ as a job Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. I don't even understand that I'm a DJ as a job. This is such a cool <laughs> job. It's just weird, you know. It's just like, can't believe somebody pays somebody to be a DJ. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I still, I love. It. I still <laughs> ask myself that same question. Are you sure you want to pay me to be here? Okay, I'll take it. Right? <laughs> like I can actually pay you to <laughs> <Yeah>. be here. <laughs> Literally, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, like I, I rave. I love to rave, you know. So I was like. Okay, I got to play to a rave for three days, so I'm fine, I'll play. Was it? Um, but also it is a different feeling yeah. from being in the crowd and being on the stage. Yeah, it is. Was it like quite daunting or scary to, 
you say you, it kind of happened naturally and it wasn't a career now it is but because I guess you didn't really have many like people to look up to who were doing it where you're from like was it was it a bit I don't know was it daunting or you just like yeah I'm just gonna do this oh no I didn't even think about having it as a career path it wasn't even on the plan on the menu like I never even thought that people do become DJs you know although I have a lot of DJs that I'm fan of a fan of but it was always just a hobby I never even thought that I could ever make it as a career so I never focused on it being a career Mm. I just went into cinema I still played I love DJing but I never thought that anybody can just become a DJ like international DJ it's just crazy and it really happened by luck as well you know like by festivals and people seeing it and being like okay I want to book you I'm like okay cool people want to book me interesting (laughs) um yeah (laughs) Because also, like, my friends, okay, so uh, my friends who are the biggest DJs in Beirut, they're some of the greatest DJs I've ever seen in my life play. And they're still not international. They are DJs in Beirut. So for me, I always thought that was going to be the DJ in Palestine, and that's it. And that's where I played. But that's why, I mean, I push people more to get out of, like, I try to help because now I know that there is a way to get to become to do what you want as a job but it's a bit of a complicated reroute but you can there is a way mm. very long but complicated but there is yeah <laughs> but you are paving that direction for like the future stars right of the of this of this scene trying you are trying my best <laughs> <laughs> a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Today I read um, in your New York Times interview, which was a great article, um, and they described you as representing a kind of cultural resistance that helps assert and humanize Palestinian identity on the world stage. So cultural resistance, that's what they're saying you represent. Like, do you see what you're doing and given the context of the world we're living in now? Do you see it as that, as as by you being a DJ? Uh, (laughs) I try. The thing is, I've never tried to be a politician or uh, an activist. Obviously, like I am active about issues that I care about, but I never try to be you know, uh, a thing that does that, but my existence on its own and being part of this culture and this scene and this place made me become that without me like trying or focusing on it, which is a bit terrifying because now I have to hold the responsibility of all that. And it's, uh, it's scary because I have to say the right words all the time and, you know, do the right thing all the time, which is hard. Mm. Yeah. I, I- I can imagine it's kind of like you're holding, you're like representing a, a whole nation of people. It's it's a big thing. 
Exactly. And people that I really care about and in a case that is so sensitive and with a cause that is very complicated. And that makes it so hard and so pressuring. It's a bit terrifying. Yeah. But it's also a huge honor, you know, like it's it's something that I've, you know, I guess every Palestinian has always tried to do something for the country and never really finds a way to because it's really hard to. It's a really complicated situation. So finding any way that can actually help is empowering in a way. Yeah. And today, obviously, with everything that's going on with Palestine, fighting to be recognized as an official state, how is it for youth culture today and creative scenes? You know, it must be difficult to keep things going in whilst you're living through that. Definitely, yeah, especially when a lot of people that come listen to you ask you what does the word Palestine mean. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's not just uh, having a country. It's it's way more than just that. You know, we were a country that we were ethnically cleansed from and completely deleted from everywhere. And we're trying to gain that back. We're trying to gain our freedom back. We're trying to gain our right, of our basic human rights. And we're trying to not just, uh, it's not just about a country. It's about existence it's about an identity that they're completely deleting and that is what we're fighting for and we will keep doing that because they're deleting us step by step and held on (laughs) and just for the benefit of because this this podcast is going to be well I'm from the UK so like most of our listeners might be based in the UK so can you just give us a bit of an insight into what it's what it's like at the moment for you in Palestine and your sort of day-to-day you know how how it is for you Hmm. Nowadays, yeah. <laughs> pre the what happened now or post? <laughs> well, now uh, the West Bank is um, way worse. The checkpoints are completely way worse. Um, the Israeli army is getting more aggressive. Uh, Gaza is in a horrid situation, obviously, as everybody knows. But the worst part and the biggest change is happening on the Palestinians that live inside Israel. Because um, basically the racism now is quadruple. Um, The police brutality is 10 times. And they wanted to expel, I think, 12 families from Sheikh Jarrah. Now it's all of them. And four more cities, three more villages that they're completely ethnically cleansing, other than a whole village that they're demolishing. That was, you know... And they're now making people demolish their own homes in Siluan or pay for the demolition demolition of them. So uh, it's really it's really it's really bad. And uh, sadly, in in the UK, uh, the people that signed all the petitions and everything, and the government said that they're looking into it. Today, they got the reply that the UK still supports Israel and will not condemn Israel for all the crimes it did. So they just like kind of postponed everything till everybody slept, and now they told us well. No, you're staying where you are. And actually, you're going to get more back by Israel, basically, because Israel is going to make us pay the price for what we just did, for speaking up. And that's what they're doing. They're like literally, like the stories that I'm hearing from my friends from, from there are terrifying. And what we're seeing on the news is even more terrifying. And Israel is not looking like it's getting better. So, um... There's still hope. <laughs> we still have hope, even with all the darkness that comes through. 
But it's uh, the situation is really bad, but the people are still fighting and the youth is standing strong, which is very inspiring to all of us. And the movements that are happening in the UK are really good and they should continue on going because they're really helping. Yeah. And yeah, that's the situation. Yeah, well, thank you for being so honest and open about that. It's, a, it's appreciated. Cheers. And I think people need to understand and hear from, you know, people like yourself who are living it. And I suppose regarding like youth culture and, and you know the, the community that you've helped create I suppose a lot of people will be looking to technos and, and parties and music and having a community as a, as a form of escapism yeah there are it depends some people find it a way of like resisting and like expressing and some people find it escapism and I think that's the beauty about music and especially techno music is not that direct mm does it have lyrics that tell you you should escape or you should fight or you should, you know? So everybody can use the space and the sounds around him for his own gain and his own way, you know? Mm. Yeah. And going back to like, well, resistance, I suppose, but in terms of like you having challenges other than the arrest that we spoke about earlier, like have you, have you faced any other uh, resistances in terms of people trying to stop you from, you know, DJing or doing your thing in Palestine? Have there been any other instances like that? Never. No, no, no. Because it was never about the DJing. That's the thing. It was never about the techno or the style of music. They, the people got offended by the location and what they heard. And the thing is that the story got bigger. Like in the beginning, we were, the story was proper. We were in the bazaar where the shops are. And then the story grew for us to be in the courtyard of the mosque. And then some people thought we were inside it. And that's what bothered people. It's not the style of music. It's the the location, the way it was made. That's what bothered people because I've been playing techno for 12 years. It was never the music. If it's a hip hop party, if it's a commercial party, if it's a techno party, they all get closed at midnight. Wow, midnight. And that's the law here, which is a bit annoying. Yeah. We're a small city, so everything is residential. Right. There are people everywhere. You know, whatever place you rent to play music in, there are houses around it. And the thing is that we are very, like, our cities are very much closed and we have three different areas. So we can only use area A, you know, like area B and area There's three different areas in one tiny city that we can use parts of and other parts we cannot because Israel has control of it and, you know? So it's not like we can just go anywhere and do anything. We're very limited in the space we can use. And in that space, people live. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a bit annoying when they have to listen to techno (laughs) at 2 (laughs) a.m. So I get it. Because when there's a wedding next to my house, I get annoyed at 2 a.m. And weddings are the only thing that is allowed to stay after midnight. So I'm like, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> what about a wedding where there's there's a techno DJ afterwards? Does that, does that work? Does that qualify? Yeah. Wedding DJs actually play kind of like a lot of genres. They do play techno, they play Arabic, they play dubke, everything. Mm. But a wedding is an excuse and people don't get mad at people making just a random party and people are not sleeping because of it. That's a little bit more annoying. A wedding at least has a reason. Yeah. So I suppose everything we've we've spoken about and, you know, everything you're living day to day, you know, having gone to prison for for DJing um, in the mosque and 
everything you've lived through so far, like how has this affected you over the last few months? You know, thinking about your safety, your freedom as well. Mm. <laughs> oh, ah, this is why I'm not talking to my therapist in the past couple of months because I just really don't want to dive into that. So in the beginning, it was a bit more uh, terrifying from everything that is here, from the people that are in Palestine. I think I also had a different image of what was going to happen when I left. But nothing happened, which was good. Uh, people are supportive. Uh, if I run into people, they just tell me that they're sorry for what happened with me. So it was a little bit of a, yeah, the ups and downs, you know. And then what happened now happened, and that just like it's just it's just yeah. I'm. <laughs> it's nothing is is calming. Yeah, it was three months of stress over that. Then I refilmed the beatport, which was also. A lot of work, and after the Beatport streamed, hope there was a war all over again here. So, had to deal with that. We just kind of got out of that, and yeah. So I don't know how I feel. <laughs> I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, that's that's far enough. And I suppose also your career. How do you think your career will be affected from this? Uh, not sure actually, because everything is completely still on pause with Corona. But I already have a couple of bookings for the summer and a couple for the end of the year. So I'm hoping that it just goes good. (laughs) I hope that the world doesn't close up again and we get to play music a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it'd be great to see you at a festival at some point and get back Mm, to it. I'm so excited. I'm supposed to be in the UK in August and I hope nothing happens from now till then. Let's hope. Bank holiday. We need it. We do. I've just got a couple more questions. Go ahead. I love that you use a lot of um, traditional Palestinian samples uh, to make new music. And I'd love to know, like, what inspires you to do that? Is it, do you kind of want to just represent your culture and, and all these aspects of what you do? Part of it is that, I think, um, yeah, a big part of it is that, but also the um, probably that I always kind of also like folk. I used to dance dubke till... I was 18. I still dance Dabke, obviously, but I used to dance with like actual like folkloric uh, bands. And um, I like know most of the folkloric songs. My aunt, my cousins, we all dance folk music and uh, we love it. So it has to do with that. And it had to do with a project that we wanted to do that has to do with archiving the history, historical sounds of Palestine. So we were doing this project where we got artists to remix historical sounds and traditional sounds and uh, they're really cool sounds (laughs) and also we need to preserve them because otherwise they will die with time yeah and it's a great way to keep history alive reimagine it i suppose rework it yeah exactly what is your message to you know to anyone listening now maybe to fellow palestinians and who are in a similar situation um about yeah, your message for the future, I suppose. Keep looking at the bright side, I guess, because everything has a dark side and a bright side. And you just keep got to know what you believe and what you're working towards, what you've done in your life and what you still need to do to reach where you want to reach. That's something that I think helped me a lot in life is knowing what you've done, what you achieved, being happy about it but also knowing what you still need to achieve and everything you need to work on and making a plan for it and keep going and always look at the bright side. Because if you just look at the dark side, you'll just 
give up. So don't give up. Yeah. Love that. I mean, yeah, you're a deeply inspiring, strong person. And um, I think it's, it's a real honor to be talking to you today. And even through everything you've been going through and are going through, like you're still giving this positivity out. And I think that's really incredible. Thank you. So I just want to. That's good. I thought I was a depressed person. That's good. I'm giving positivity. (laughs) You're yeah. You're smiling through it. I'm glad. Thank you so much. Really. And yeah, I'm smiling through it. That's my technique in dealing with everything in life. Um, and it's, I think, a bit of a healthy technique, I think. I'm not sure, but I hope so. <laughs> so this podcast is called Utopia Talks, and it's all about achieving utopia, a place of freedom, creativity, diversity, the mm. place we all want to get to. Utopia. So, <laughs> utopia. Yeah, utopia. What is your utopia, utopia. and yeah, what do you? What does the word utopia mean to you? Oof, oof, well, that is so. Uh, that's a dream, you know. That's the dream. It resembles the dream, the very far-fetched dream that I guess we all are working towards, and that's why we keep smiling and we keep doing what we do. Is that we want everybody to be free, everybody to be safe, everybody to be, you know, like. Um, comfortable where they are to not feel oppressed or pressured or, you know, but sadly it's a very long way to go. Hopefully we get there, but yeah, it's freedom for all and equality for yeah. all. I guess. And in the meantime, what's keeping you going? What's, what's inspiring you daily? I don't know. Actually now, right now, I don't know. Before I would have told you that I wanted to build something and build the scene here and make a voice for, I'm not sure how much I still have hope, but I'm going to say that as well. To build the scene, to build the name for the Middle East, to showcase what we, like, it's not just about showcasing DJs, it is showing the people that are here because we get judged like the whole Arab world gets judged by the stories they see on TV or read in books that are very weird. But it's not really that. And people need to open their eyes because this is the years of, uh, what do they call it? Knowledge where, where social media takes over everything and you can actually see everything. So now nothing has an excuse and especially ignorance doesn't have an excuse because you can know and you can do. And that is the reason why we keep going because we are seeing this tiny hope in, in this new way of, of approach of yeah yeah and the new generation they're doing incredible things shout out the new generation yeah shout out to the new generation (laughs) these are the two things that gave us a little bit of a push again to you know what no there is a little bit of hope because they're doing something that is interesting and very inspiring brilliant summer thank you so much It's, it's been great to chat to you appreciate it thank you thank you for having me pleasure this was epic Really glad talking to you and I hope we meet soon. Love and respect to Sama for sharing her story with us and the incredible influence she's had on the music scene in Palestine. Big up Katie Baxter for producing this episode and let me know what you thought at Jaguar Worldwide on the socials and I'll see you guys next Wednesday. Utopia Talks is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.